The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to The Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. There are people and groups in the world who need to be seen. Than Bartson is making that happen as CEO and co-founder of Unseen, a nonprofit that furthers the fight against human trafficking. So, Than, you and I met about seven years ago in Fargo, North Dakota. I am living in Ohio now. Do you still call Fargo home? Yeah, Fargo is the uh, headquarters for Unseen still. Great. And do you spend any time in Fargo or are you always (laughs) overseas? Yeah, you know, I've got, uh, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh, you've had babies. Yeah, (sighs) and they are the most incredible human beings in the world. And so summers are spent dirt biking with my little guy uh, all around our property. And then, uh, yeah, his little sister is a pretty incredible human. So uh, Fargo is is our base, and a lot of the work is is really being done uh, by our creatives and our partners that are now spanning 33 countries around the world. Holy smokes. And serving, uh, yeah, they're serving about 100,000 kids and their families. And so, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a really exciting time. And as our system and our structure has developed, uh, we've seen that one, it's highly effective. And two, uh, as we're sending more equipped leaders out, I get to lead from here. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. You can be the dad. You can be the family man and still, <laughs> yeah, make that happen. That's right. You know, yeah. you have always really opened my eyes to things happening around the world that I had never even imagined, never heard of. Mm-hmm. And that seems like it's the main goal of Unseen. But can you explain for our listeners exactly what Unseen is about? Yeah. You know, we really believe that every kid, every vulnerable person living in slavery or vulnerable to it deserves true freedom. And I don't know how much uh, you know about trafficking right now, but the reality of it is we have more than 40 million people living in slavery somewhere in the world today. And one out of every four of those victims is a child. Mm-hmm. And that's on the conservative, very conservative end. And so if we just look at that, we've got 10 million kids that are living in slavery and vulnerability is really driving uh, the ease and the access of people who would simply want to exploit, use and uh, discard these people. And on that vulnerable side, if we just continue to look at our statistics for a second here, we've got more than 153 million kids that are living as orphans right now. And if we leave all of that as statistics, it really doesn't mean a thing. Uh, I think it was Joseph Stalin said, one one loss of life or one death is a tragedy and a million is a statistic. Mm-hmm. And so if we leave these numbers as numbers, they're just that. They don't mean anything until we begin to look at it from the personal level. And we see that every one of these people has a name and a story and a face that somebody's heart has broken over. And we don't leave uh, the bad news, bad news at Unseen, because if we were to leave it there, it's it's a horrible evil and a terrible tragedy. 
But as we begin to look at what's possible and the hope that exists even in the darkest situations, that's where Unseen really steps in. And we are uh, working with partners on the ground who have established histories of success and a lot of room to grow. Simply put, Unseen is serving partners in 33 countries around the world that are rescuing kids, keeping families safe, and locking bad guys up. And we're giving them everything that they need to go expand their reach, accelerate their growth, and help more people. So people would automatically say, so you're giving them money. They need money. But that's (laughs) not what they need, right? That's not what they need. No. uh, One-time funds are, are just going to be that. We need to take a look at how do we sustainably fund these organizations so that they can grow on their own. And so we give them three things, long-term partnership, fundraising training and coaching, and finally, all of the fundraising tools, the media marketing tools that they need to go out, tell their own stories, raise their own support, and do it very well time and time again. And the system uh, is working. We have 37 partners in 33 countries that are serving over 100,000 kids and their families. And for every dollar that our donors invest in Unseen, our partners went out just this last year and turned that into two and a half dollars. So that's a 250% return that our donors are seeing. So if we were simply just giving money away, that would that would be a great distribution of funds. But instead, we're seeing accelerated growth across the world as we're making wise and strategic investments into those rescuers who already know what to do and have more people to help. So you create videos to explain their stories? That's a, that's a part of it. Yeah, but it's an entire re-education and an entire funding system that starts with very low-level investments and works its way up to things like documentary films and promos and full websites. But it also is simple things like thank you cards and ways to connect with their donors. And all of that is built around a solid fundraising training system that each of our partners goes through. And they have an entire support structure and support system behind it. And so while uh, in the early days when you and I were really first talking, uh, a lot of the work was focused on videos or photo campaigns. And what we've seen is that's uh, needed to expand. And the depth of our service has gotten to a point where we are everything that our partners need. And it really is a true partnership for them to go out and raise their own funds to go rescue more kids in need. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that those 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 partners don't have a lot. They can't come to you and say, "Okay, Than, we're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars. Help us." You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you? How do they find you? And how do you determine whether or not you can help them? Mm-hmm. Great question. Well, uh, it did not take long for Unseen to get its name out there in the anti-trafficking and justice community that so many organizations who are doing the best work in the world are sharing resources, they're sharing information, and they're connected to each other. And so right around 2011, when we started, we had an early in with some of these uh, top-level organizations. And from there, you know, us uh, simply providing a service that was needed across the board was really enough to... uh, to network into some of the most incredible work on this planet today. And like you said, our organizations, uh, 
often don't have the funds to set aside for entire fundraising campaigns or marketing campaigns. And if we look at, uh, there's an incredible TED talk from a guy named Dan Pelota, who says, take a look at the word fundraising. If you're investing wisely, fundraising is going to raise more funds. Yet the short-term needs of an organization are often limiting the long-term growth or the accelerated growth of that organization. Mm -hmm. And at Unseen, we are not charging our partners a dime for any of the services that we provide. That's where our donors step in. And they're saying, this is a needed product. We want to do the most with our money. And so that's why, as it comes through Unseen, we're able to see those gifts multiply and expand to directly go and rescue kids and families out of some of the worst situations on the planet. I bet you get to see some amazing success stories, Than. Oh, every every week I get a 15-page report on the incredible work that's happening all around the world. This last Christmas, we had seven little girls that were rescued out of a brothel in southern India uh, and four traffickers that were put behind bars for the rest of their lives. We had another hundred families that were rescued out of uh, a brick kiln in India as well. And, you know, it's often seems like a drop in the bucket, again, until you actually look at these stories and the reality of a family or a child or a mom who is living in absolute hopelessness, who because somebody has stepped into their life and a network of good has surrounded them, they're now being given every hope and every opportunity in the world. Like true freedom is actually happening in real time around the world right now. And we get to be a part of it. So can you tell me how, how, how do those girls end up in the brothel? How, you know, what's the, what's the solution to stopping them from being taken in the first place? Mm-hmm. At Unseen, we're taking a look at human trafficking and its root causes. And for those seven little girls who were in that brothel, they knew exactly uh, what led to them being there. And it was, it was simply they were born into the wrong household. They were born into the wrong caste system. And they were too poor to have any other options. So again, it's vulnerabilities that are driving that. And vulnerabilities look different in different parts of the world. But there are some universal um, truths that are driving to these vulnerabilities. And so we're not just looking at simply rescuing, right? We're not looking at simply getting kids out of a bad situation. We're also taking a look at what were those steps? What were those root causes that led to this child being put in this situation in the first place? And so our partners are working on three P's of trafficking uh, intervention that the U.S. State Department has defined as the most effective way to combat it. And that's prevention, protection, and prosecution. Mm-hmm. So if we break those down just for a moment here, protection, or uh, excuse me, prevention is everything from awareness campaigns to education to job creation. You know, if we can keep families safe and empowered and with options in the first place, we can keep a lot of people out of harm's way. Protection is taking a look at uh, for those who are currently involved in trafficking or for those who are being abused right now, what do we need to do to get them out of that situation? And finally, prosecution is taking a look at if we are arresting and prosecuting the perpetrators of these crimes, 
they're not going to be able to hurt anybody else as long as they're held accountable. Mm -hmm. And so the combination of those three are really wrapped up into a fourth P that our State Department has uh, added to that list just this year, and that's partnerships. And that's really where Unseen comes in, because you and I could take the rest of our lives and the rest of your listeners' lives, dedicate all of our time, energy, resources into starting the best program that we could come up with, and we're still not going to be as effective as those who are doing it right now, who have done it for the last 15, 20 plus years, yet still have room to grow. So that's why we're focusing our efforts on partnership and on the strategic investment into the greatest rescuers in the world to simply help them do their work at an even greater scale. So we've talked about how that happens overseas. Do you primarily focus overseas or is this is this a big issue in the United States as well? You know, this is an issue that's affecting all countries around the world. Our State Department here in the U.S. has defined three tiers of uh, government and local intervention. And the U.S. is a tier one nation, meaning that, yes, there are people who are trafficked here. And as our bandwidth expands, we're excited to be able to expand more and more into the U.S. But our primary focus right now is on those tier two and three nations, because in the U.S., everyone from our local police to our uh, homeland security and our government are all rowing the same direction. They're all advocating for and doing everything they can to help those who are affected by this. And in tier two and three nations, that's really not an option. These uh, countries are either ill-equipped or unwilling to work with uh, vulnerable populations and are not uh, advocating or working on their behalf. And so when you remove any safety net like that, uh, a vacuum is created. And that vacuum is either going to be filled with uh, those who are looking to exploit and use vulnerable people, or it's going to be filled with our rescue partners who are going in to stand up and be that last line of defense for people who need the most help. We'll get back to our conversation with Than Bardson in just a moment. But first, our kindness call, sponsored by Cornwell Properties, where location matters. Hi, my name is Bob and I'm traveling in Malaysia in the island of Borneo and we had a friend that took the whole day off and drove us around to some of the sites that he really enjoyed so that we could really enjoy it too and it was a really fun day because he knows all the good places to go to and it was just something that he did out of the kindness of his heart and I appreciate it thanks did you know you can be on the kindness podcast Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. Than, I'm interested in what your upbringing or life experiences were that would make you so compassionate toward these people who don't have a voice. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I had the privilege of really getting an early view on the realities of the world. And on a global scale, was uh, able to travel and see firsthand what cyclical poverty looks like and kind of that, that visceral gut reaction to kids on the street. Anybody who's traveled um, to developing countries has probably encountered poverty at a level that they had never expected before. And after a while, uh, you know, you, 
you begin to see similar patterns in different countries. doesn't matter where you go. Um, the poor are there. And as you begin to get to know people, I, I joined the Air National Guard straight out of high school. I was oh. a firefighter for six and a half years oh. and ended up transferring to public affairs where I'm still serving. I'm almost 16 years uh in the Air National Guard. Wow. And it's been an, yeah, it's been an incredible uh, blessing and resource and an awesome chance to serve. And, uh, you know, through a lot of my travels, both with the Guard and just personally, uh, saw that while there was incredible pain and hurt and suffering in the world, there are also people who had dedicated their entire lives to solving some of the biggest and most painful issues in the world today. And really, I just began to to see, one, the level of, of hurt out there, but two, the level of healing that was possible when ordinary people are stepping into radical and extraordinary missions who are not satisfied with the way things are and who are bold enough and hopeful enough to actually do something about it. You know, not only do they have great ideas, they've actually executed on those ideas. And that execution is resulting in changed lives and shifting cultures and uh, a wave of hope that is beginning to cover uh, the world. And so that's really where Unsane was born, was how are we going to support those folks in a way that is actually going to make a difference? Not just look good, not just on the awareness side, but actual tangible dollars into their organizations that's going to explode their missions and allow them to help more people. So we take a look at it as we're not starting new fires. We're not out rubbing sticks. We are not trying to get things going from the ground level. We're simply carrying buckets of gas to the brightest fires we can find and with our donors are pouring gas onto these already blazing fires and seeing it explode. Okay, now I have a question for our listeners. Listeners, are you hearing what I'm hearing, which is this guy who is talking about some of the most traumatic, dangerous situations in the world and yet yet brings such hope into it? Because, Than, it seems as if you... You are an optimist. You are a glass half full. You are a let's <laughs> let's take care of this. And and you've always come across that way to me as being very positive, focused, upbeat, passionate. How do you maintain those qualities in the face of human trafficking and poverty and orphan children? Yeah, I tell my team that I am uh, an optimist to debilitating levels, and they all know that. <laughs> so you acknowledge it, okay? I oh, love yeah, that it's, about you. It's a, it's an illness. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we do talk a lot about secondary trauma with our team, mm -hmm. that when when we're dealing with kids who have been abused for years or are in situations where, you know, some of them have been forced to serve up to 20 clients a night and things like that, it it's not it's not good and it hurts, but it's OK to hurt and it's OK to feel uh real raw emotions about some of these horrible things because it is absolutely real. Uh, yet when we get to sit down with a rescuer who's just welcomed three little boys from a life of pain and hurt and the street into a loving home for the rest of their lives. And we have the data to track exactly how our donors money 
went to go be a part of these little stories and these little lives, uh, that's a pretty amazing feeling. And that's a pretty hopeful uh, piece that's going to get us uh, to the next mission, the next cause, the next group of people that we can go help. And so we like to say that we are living between two um, realities. We're standing between the hopeful joy of what's possible because we get reports on what's happening every single day on, you know, the amount of people who've been rescued, the amount who have been educated, new jobs that are being created, new programs that are bringing education to parts of the world for the first time in history. Yet our feet are still firmly planted on the ground that every 30 seconds, another kid's going into trafficking that, Tonight, more than 730 million people are going to be hungry. You know, so we, we stand between these two realities, yet we keep our eyes focused on the hope that exists even in the worst situations because we see what is actually possible, not just in theory, but in reality. And our data is back in the fact that the needle of justice continues to move forward and great things are actually possible. I love that. Great things are actually possible. I believe that wholeheartedly as well. Than before we let you go, do you have a favorite kindness story that you'd like to share with us? It can be about unseen or something from your personal life, something about your four-year-old. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're working on kindness right now with my four-year-old. He's he's a sweet little guy, and <laughs> and uh, his little sister is only made of butter and love uh, at two years old. Oh, favorite kindness story. I love putting people on the spot. It's, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes sorry. it's a story that, um, oh, of a, an act of kindness you did and how it made you feel. Um, or maybe um, a time when kindness showed up for you just when you needed it. Yeah, you know, get this. I, I quit my full-time job six months after I got married <laughs> to be a full-time volunteer for a while. Oh. Uh, for anybody engaged, probably don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my wife is incredibly understanding and one of the kindest people I have ever met and most understanding and gracious. And uh, yeah, she's amazing. But you know, we had so many people that rallied around this mission early on in our earliest days where we started with a budget of absolute zero and just went out and said, if we're going to pull this thing off, we need a lot of people to help. And they not ju they didn't just help for tax credits or, you know, um, for recognition, but we had a friend who early on stepped in and said, I can't donate any money. He's a small business owner himself, and uh, but he ran a, a auto shop and sells cars, fixes cars, and he has taken care of our family every step of the way. Hmm. That anytime we've had a car issue, my wife, as kind as she is, is a terrible driver. <laughs> uh, I mean, she backed into my truck, showed up at their family's door crying. I was in, uh, I was working in Hong Kong at the time, and. To have a network like that, my friend stepped in and said, don't even worry, we're going to take care of it, threw the keys to a brand new car and said, use this as long as you need, we'll fix your car for you. And the kindness and 
uh, generosity of our friend that this wasn't just once. This is time and time again. I mean, she hits a lot of things, but <laughs> that's not why it's time and time again. That uh, it's the consistency and the the genuineness that nobody will ever know that my friend has been that big of a support to my family and indirectly to unseen mm -hmm. as he's been. But uh, it's really humbling. We've got uh, endless stories of people like that who have given beyond their means, who've stepped up every time that uh, we've had a need. And that's the reason we're able to, uh, you know, serve as many as we are in as many places as we are. I get it. I absolutely get that, that foundation of support system that allows us to, you know, talk about kindness and, and allows you to travel around and, and talk about kindness and make kindness happen and save lives. It's, it's pretty amazing. And I don't think those people often know how important they are, but I'm glad you shared that story because maybe there'll be some who are listening who say, oh, I guess what I do is important. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, there are no small jobs in this kind of work that, uh, you know, from the big check donor who's, you know, sacrificially giving at $350,000 to the struggling uh, mom who's giving $5 or the guy who's fixing cars uh, or vacuuming our hallways at the office or writing thank you notes. Everything absolutely matters. And I think that's been a fun, fun realization for us is just how many jobs there are and how many opportunities people have to affect lives right in front of them and lives of kids who are in incredible need that they will never meet yet who are impacted and affected by uh, the sacrifice and the generosity of people across the world. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Than, so much for talking with us, for sharing about Unseen. We, I sure appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. That was a conversation with Than Bardson. You can learn more about Than and Unseen at weareunseen.org. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Chloe Meston. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. 